I closed the door already. Don't okay. worry. I'm just checking. Yeah. Cool. You ready to go? As long as you think it's loud enough. Yeah. They're they're pretty much the same. As long as we're kind of close enough to the microphones. No. It's ASMR. Yeah, I know. More like gay SMR. Yeah. Cue the theme song. <laughs> Hi, this is Cody Dagalorians. This is Neil Dagalorians. And welcome to another episode of Bearded Fruit. I'm sleepy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we are, um, because today is sort of a, we normally record uh, episodes on Sundays, and today is Sunday, uh, but I work today, so we are we are tackling this project a little earlier in the day than we normally do. I don't like this. But we're, do- but we're doing it so that we stay uh, back in our groove. We got our podcast groove going right now, so. I'm wearing a robe. Uh, yes, you are. So this week uh, on the podcast, I wanted to discuss something that I ran across during my perusals of my Twitter feed, a uh, thing I do when I'm often trying to avoid uh, doing actual work. So it's what he does always. Always. Uh, there's a really great advice column uh, on Out.com for Out Magazine called Hola Papi. Uh, it's John Paul Brammer. And uh, it's a really terrific column. And I'm st- I, I, I've read it since the first uh, installment of it. And I really very much enjoy it. I look forward to reading it. And uh, the whole thing is framed as an advice column. But what I think uh, Brammer's doing with Hola Papi digs a lot deeper than just kind of giving advice he's also sort of like serving discourse with a little yummy side of like empathy i always thought it was holla poppy i'm kidding okay <laughs> i had a moment of panic i had a moment of white panic <laughs> no i'm not that dumb no i know i know uh and so but but it's a really terrific column and it's something i look forward to reading and there was a really great uh the, the most recent installment i thought was a, was a very interesting one and one that was kind of worthy of having a deeper conversation about it sort of hits ideas that we've talked about on other things and it's something that uh, particularly as i think a lot of online discourse gets a, gets very siloed and people um uh, spend a lot of time considering divisions, I think, a lot, or where our separations are. It was an interesting, uh, it begs an interesting conversation. So um, I'm going to start by reading the the letter that he is responding to in this uh, ish, this edition of Hola Papi. Uh, it's from a guy named No Alphabet Soup. That's how it's signed, in that, in that traditional advice column sort of way. So what, like... Spaghettios? Yeah, definitely spaghettios. Uh, so here's the, the the letter. I have always disliked the fact that people keep adding on to LGB. Sorry, but I just disagree with it. In my opinion, it should only be LG. All the others are just jumping on the bandwagon or hanging on to our coattails for the sake of advancing their cause from our hard work. And I do mean hard work. 
I am a 77-year-old man, and my 83-year-old husband and I have worked for 53 years to further the cause of gay men and women. We suffered through the 60s and 70s to be respected and accepted. Now everyone with a different sexuality wants to benefit from this. Now that the Supreme Court is going to take up the issue of discrimination against sex, I fear that this will end up being LGBTQACDE, all the letters of the alphabet. Can you see my point? Signed, no alphabet soup. Can I just say, like, before we get into it, before we read this poor man for Phil, Mm -hmm. I just want to give props to a 77-year-old man who knows how to use the internet and send an email to an advice column online. Like, props to that. Good job. You did it. You old man yelled at Cloud. You get off my lawn using new technology. And I'm very proud of you for that. I'm very proud of your ability to bring your inability to understand how progress works to the new era. So I'm very proud of that. In that shade-filled compliment. (laughs) No, that was all genuine and sincere. I mean, he wants to get all the queers off his, you know, single-colored lawn. He's probably... He's got to be white. He's got to be white. His husband also has got to be white. Yeah, no, these are definitely some some whites. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things in here that are worth sort of unpacking. And then we can also sort of talk a little bit about uh, Bremer's response, which uh, one of the things I really appreciate about his responses is that when a person does require being completely read for filth, he reads them to filth in a very gentle, kind way, which is rather lovely. He like golden books, my first reader reads them for filth. Very much so. It's very, there's a read at the end of this book kind of situation it's, it's like that um, book where it has like the buttons and the laces inside of it so you can learn how to yeah, grow yeah. yeah it's very it's really really good but i think there's a lot of things to kind of unpack here and i think first of all the the largest thing to sort of discuss is this idea this this notion that there are the l and the g's the lesbians and gays um and everybody else is riding on the coattails of the success of the l's and the G's. That's just so problematic. There's so much to unpack that I don't even know where to to start to unwrap. But like, first of all, yeah, maybe there are terms that are new to you, but that doesn't mean those things haven't existed previously. And it's like, I'm probably going to bring it up a couple times, but I recently did a docent training workshop at the Wadsworth Athenaeum Museum of Art. It's one of the oldest art institutions in America. Um, And in it, uh, basically, uh, we were talking about these things at one point and it's just like, people were like, Oh, but like, I was told not to like label people and that labels are for soup cans. And it's like, that's great and all, but like these identities have always existed and now people have words for them and that's great for them because it makes them feel less alone. And that ultimately is all that matters. Like it may not make sense to you that there's such a specific, labeling and term or whatever for the way somebody is and it may not make sense to you that they proclaim that but the fact of the matter is that makes them feel less alone and it doesn't hurt you so like back off old man with your dell ass 99 windows aol dial-up connection yeah i think that there is no i I think the, the notion that 
the uh, lesbian and gay people were the only ones kind of doing anything throughout the entirety of the gay rights movement while bi people and trans people and uh, gender nonconforming people uh, and, and sort of everyone else that gets included in the umbrella were literally sort of sitting over somewhere having a mimosa and, you know, just kind of waiting oh, for... what's going on over there? Right, oh, we'll just right. Sit here. Oh, no, no, no. The notion that that, would, that that is the construction of the queer rights movement as a whole is deeply insulting. And really, I think only points to the the fact that this 77-year-old man and his 83-year-old husband have only ever connected to other gay men and women. That they have existed in their entire lives without actually engaging with any trans people, any non-binary people, any bi people. Or if they have, they've clearly made themselves in such a way where those people did not feel safe to be their authentic selves around them. Yeah. So, yeah, they may have bi and trans and other queer friends, but they're not about to tell them because clearly they're not welcome. And so, hey, newsflash, trans people were... they were fighting along with you right at the very beginning, actually probably fighting for your ass, mm-hmm. just like to be very clear. Not just Stonewall, but there was a precursor to Stonewall, the Compton Cafeteria Riots, which were specifically transgender women in San Francisco who were rioting against um, the Compton Cafeteria workers who were trying to kick them out. Um, specifically, that was transgender women, some of which were sex workers and some of which weren't. But like, uh, Hello? Hello? Read a book, Harold, I'm guessing. Harold, you 77-year-old ass, Harold ass, friggin' old man from Up looking. (laughs) But how do you really... I'm very upset by this. You know, well, and justifiably so. I mean, it it really sort of, it, it, it pretends that, it does the thing that we do culturally all the time, that the, the dominant identity and the dominant experience is the only one that is considered to be um the one that happened you know in in as in the history of western civilization in general um the history is told by the victors and that's why it's a white history that's why we don't really pay whenever we're taught history we are completely if you're not white and european your history is not taught to you and that it is excluded from the story even though it's very valid and exists that same thing happens inside are inside of our history as well. Lesbian and gay men, gay men in particular, are the victors of the queer rights movement so far. White gay men are the victors. And so history is told through the lens of the victor. And that all boils down to just ability to assimilate. Um, the ability of white men like us to assimilate into greater culture is much easier. So yeah, of course we get to tell the story. Um and so, unfortunately, this skeletor, skeletor-looking motherfucker over here, with his his Nokia phone, his flip phone, <laughs> typing in T nine this message to Hello Poppy, which again, props on learning the technology. I'm surprised he didn't. I don't know, use smoke signals or like telegraph. Did, did he Morse code this in to, to Brenner? Like, I don't know. I'm a bigot. Stop. I hate <laughs> trans people. Stop. <laughs> I want trans people to stop. Stop. <laughs> then a secondary part, which also bothered me too, is his his assertion, we suffered through the 60s and the 70s to be respected and accepted. And I want to say, like, 
bitch, you think things that got like are cool in the eighties, nineties, two thousands, and two thousand tens? Like a very convenient, like erasure of the AIDS epidemic. That's very yeah. convenient. You know, like a lot of people, people are still really struggling a lot, and there are a lot of there's a lot of suffering going on for queer people all around. And just because you were in the sixties and seventies doesn't mean that you've cornered the market on pain and suffering. It continues. Harold and his dang ass Cape Town rental airbnb freaking fire island ass <laughs> province town province town fucker retired social security benefits i can spend all two weeks of bear week there is it two weeks do they go it's for two weeks week. it's, it's one week it's, it's a bear, bear week, week. <laughs> shows how many times i've been to be fair happy hours are never an hour well yeah fair enough yeah, this this idea that uh, sort of the the, the quote unquote work of the queer right, the gay rights movement ended in the 70s or ended at some point is really offensive. And I also really fucking hate this now everyone with a different sexuality. Bitch, what do you think you are? Like, what the fuck do you think you are, you 77-year-old dick sucker? Like, calm the fuck on. He may be the dick sucky. Fair enough, but don't, still. We don't want to assume that Harold and his cape count taught. Mm-mm, there goes that joke. Never mind. No, but so, like, the, the, the notion, the arrogance of thinking that just because like you're comfortable with it and you can you can find a way to sort of live in a world where nobody's harming you, that all of a sudden you are less different than others that your difference is 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 less so and it's less prevalent and you can point to others and go no 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 you're more different than me well to be fair that's a set, that's essentially what's happened though because he's married he's a, he's got to be white we're 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 assuming he's white he's definitely like of a certain age where he's retired so like yeah that actually makes a ton of sense. Like, of of course he feels that way because that's just that that is the life that he has fallen into. But then at the same time, it's like, how do you how do you have such like old fashioned ideas and yet also be hip and young enough to use the Internet? I, that's kind of a joke, but also kind of real. Like, how how is he like engage trying to engage in this conversation in, in such a way while also fundamentally not understanding his own position of power is really wild and striking to me. Like not understanding like, yeah, you're, you may have suffered through things, but now you're clearly comfortable and maybe other people aren't comfortable. Maybe take like three seconds to like man in the mirror yourself. And is that a reference he would get? Yeah. He was alive back then. Mm -hmm. I wasn't, Mm -hmm. I wasn't alive back then because I'm young. I'm a baby. Not for long, boo. Not for I'm long. I'm still under 30, and I will be for another two years. Yeah. That is, I think, an interesting, uh, like, an interesting point. And it made, when I was, when I read this, the thing that I, I first kind of went to is is uh, the idea of understanding what we owe each other. In, not just in the queer community, but also, like, in the world. Like, what do we really owe each other? And I think we are in this moment of time where uh, you have kind of two camps of people. There are people who 
who really want to kind of exist in the world and believe that one, they don't need other people and two, they don't owe anything to other people that we are individuals floating through space on this rock and our lives are our lives. We can do what we want to do and do the things we need to do, but it's really just about us. And then you have this other group of people, uh, a group of people that I like to consider myself to be a part of, who recognize that we are not alone on the planet and moving through the world. That what happens to other people is also what happens to us. And that what happens to someone else in the world impacts the things that happen to me. And what, and if, if someone else is, is having a difficult time or if someone else is marginalized, then I am also to some degree marginalized as well because until we are all sort of able to kind of live the lives that we want to live nobody really can live the life that they want to live you know you we we owe something to each other we owe something to everybody else because we live the 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 smallest unit tony kushner said this in an interview and i it was a wonderful interview the smallest in the smallest indivisible human unit isn't one the smallest indivisible human unit is two that we can only exist in the world in communities or in pairs or in groups that we rely on other people in order to make it through the world and people like no alphabet soup don't seem to understand that they're benefiting from the work of people who have indeed like shaped a world they've worked together and they've relied on other people and they've built things they've built certain sets of freedoms for other people because like also 77 year old no alphabet soup he did not single-handedly fight to win the freedoms that he earns he's really living on the back of backs of other people the work of other people and like how narcissistic do you have to be to be like oh the world's a better place and people can be more free and have more identities um i did that for them and how dare they how dare they be so free to like identify by other words how dare they they do history yeah sure jan you didn't do it harold you didn't do it harold on your own harold we're talking specifically to you harold it brings up another idea that I kind of wanted to talk about because you have this man who is who is 77 and yelling at cloud and but he is still a queer elder even though it's arrogant to say that he lived through the 60s and 70s and fought and did the work that he did he still did the work that he did whatever that work may be and for someone who is 77 to be married and having survived the the decades that he did survive is a thing so how do we both respect the work of people like No Alphabet Soup, but also find a way to put them in their proper place. It's very like love the art, hate the artist, like that kind of slippery slope. I I, I think I struggle with this notion because, I mean, on one hand, maybe pioneering, maybe helpful, but on the other hand, like, this is ultimately harmful. So it's like, sure, you did some good back in the day, but now you are no longer doing good. You're harming and, and being counterproductive. Yeah, how do you reconcile those things? How do you reconcile the progress that was initially made while also pointing out and trying to address the now harm, attempted harm to that progress? 
I think. What does Poppy do? What did What did Poppy say? Well, we're gonna get to what he says at the end because I love what he says is so really lovely. I want to save it for kind of the end as a final note because it's really smart and lovely. Um, but what I agree that, and I agree with him. What he what he does generally in his column and what I think is useful to do is to recognize that we can't cancel people. We can be mad at them. Like we can be really super mad at, at no alphabet soup and call him all sorts of sundry names and things. Which I did. Right, which we did. We can do that. But we also have to find a place to hold uh, competing ideas and competing feelings in the same hand, so to speak. We've got to find a way to offer grace to people who we don't agree with and who frustrate us. Uh, we, I think, too readily want to have s- someone pisses us off and says a thing we don't agree with, and we dismiss them and cancel them and get rid of them, and they're erased and they're gone forever. That is not useful, I think. Particularly in this intergenerational thing, I definitely don't agree with no alphabet soup, But he is a queer man who lived through a very difficult time as a queer person, and his attitude is shaped by the time he lived in, and his attitude is shaped by the experiences that he had at 77. I don't understand them because I was lucky enough to come out in 1994 where it was pretty much, it was starting to be okay. He he means come out of the closet, not come out of his mother's womb. Yeah, right. I came out of the closet in '94 because because I came out of my mother's room in '90, yeah. and I'm the baby of this podcast. I Very just want to make sure the listeners know they know that that I'm the yeah. baby. Yeah, they know that. Uh, you know, I was lucky enough to come out in a time where it was a lot easier than that. So, as much as I disagree with him, I still hold some respect for the for the challenge that he had. I don't kidding. We, I think it's important that we find a way to hold both things in our hand at the same time. Well, not to get too far into it, but that's why cancel culture is so prevalent because it's easier. It's so much easier to just be like, nope, bye. Bye, you're problematic. Bye. Mm, you're not perfect and virtuous. Bye. Um, rather than to be like, okay, let me reconcile these ideas, these problems that I'm having with this person what they say and what they do um yeah that takes effort and that takes time and energy and it's so much easier to just be like canceled bye and i think it's an extension of this notion of what we owe each other it, it is it is one thing to extend love and compassion to people that you agree with and people that you feel a kinship with or people that you feel deserve it it's a very different thing to practice that kind of uh, that kind of love for people who challenge those ideas who maybe you don't feel like they're a part of what you believe in or they believe something different or they believe something that you think is faulty it's a lot harder to then extend that same kind of kind of compassion that you you practice with other people but i think it's necessary it's a necessary thing because it's the way you live your values out i feel like there's a line though yeah i agree like i'm not about to treat no alphabet soup the same way that I treat like a Ben Shapiro or like a Milo Yiannopoulos. Like I'm not about like, those are terrible people who do terrible things and believe terrible things. I'm not about to hold them to the same standards of compassion as I am somebody like this or like random neo-Nazi on Twitter. Yeah. I don't, mm, not about to care about them. Not about to show compassion for them when, um, 
but but like I, I do hear what you're saying like when it comes to things that maybe we disagree with oh god the primaries <laughs> oh god the primaries mm-hmm. um that's going to be key in order to survive that What's interesting to me is that this particular response is, I think, endemic of the culture that we are currently living in, uh, the the all or nothingness, you know, saying we should be we should extend some sort of compassion to people who disagree with us. That is not saying all and everyone in every circumstance like there's a thing called nuance and there's a thing called like situation so you have to not everything can be judged in the same way and but we are in this kind of like i feel like in this cultural moment we're always asked to be it's all or nothing everything is all or nothing you're either entirely with us or entirely against us you're either entirely this one thing or entirely something else and you know if i believe this I believe this, and it has to be that way for every situation possible. And that's just not how human beings work. That's not how I work. Yeah, you can't even stay on a diet. And neither can I. No, no. Yeah. Because, like, diets are like, you know, this is how I'm going to be. And then... Yeah. So what did did Poppy say? This is what this is what we get, I guess, for recording at nine thirty in the morning. I'm normally like awake and productive now too, but it's a Sunday. I know. I played Pokemon this morning. <laughs> so to kind of wrap up, I wanted to to, to share what uh, John Paul Brammer uh, wrote at the end of his column and the way he sort of responded to this. I think it's really lovely. By the way, he should tweet at us. Um, we'll see. Hi. Um, so this is from the Ola Poppy column in response to No Alphabet Soup. Personally, I don't care how many letters we add to our little alphabet, and I don't care if people joke about it. I care that there are people who don't feel safe walking around in this world as themselves, and I find it supremely hypocritical for cisgender gay people to turn their backs on them because the system that used to not so much as allow us to breathe in public decided to be marginally marginally less heinous to us over time. The truth is, we live in conversation with each other. There is no homophobia without misogyny, without transphobia, and so there is no liberation without all of us getting there together. There are perks that come with deciding you've already got yours and throwing everyone else under the bus, sure, but you shouldn't confuse your perks with freedom. This is something that our community activists knew well, and it's why we have anything that we do today. We don't win by replicating the hierarchies that oppressed us, Soup. We will win by recognizing that our problems, the systems that marginalize us, are branches nourished by common roots. And like, if anything, that's a great kind of notion to end on. You know, it's not just that we ask people to understand. We're not just asking kind of like gay people to understand the experiences of other people under the queer umbrella. But it's also our responsibility to try to understand and work toward the liberation of people with different without non-queer experiences who are also marginalized like it's why we have to care about racism it's why we have to care about misogyny it's why we have to care about the way people who are disabled are treated it's why we have to care about all of those things because that marginalization as well is part of our freedom too well and if you just add like like thinking intersectionally if you just add the term like queer to those monikers those people within those groups tend to be even treated treated worse or have even less access i'm thinking immigration 
queer immigrants and queer refugees tend to have a much harder time um, getting into the system and, and getting set up than their um, cis and hetero um, uh, peers. So it's like, how can you not see that their struggle with immigration is directly tied to their struggle with queerness? How can, how can you not understand that and understand that those, those things are intertwined and, and connected? I think because it takes a leap, a mental leap that is difficult for a lot of people. Ugh, effort. I think it, it's, it's the mental leap that um, once things are better for you, that you still have to do work for others. You know, that, that you still, with your progress, you owe it to those behind you to help them achieve progress too. Or even once it's better for you, then it must be better for everybody else. Like it's even just a, a straight ignorance situation. Yeah. And, you know, like that is, uh, I think that's a thing that obviously no alphabet soup struggles with, but it's a thing I think a lot of people struggle with. And it's something that if, if we are very serious about wanting to live in a world where people are not marginalized and that people are not treated uh, not equitably, then inequitably inequitably then you have to do the you have to like recognize that everybody's fight is your fight Mm -hmm. at the end of the day okay harold so i'm still mad at you but you can sit at the table but i'm mad at you so i'm gonna take a bigger slice of cake he's gonna sit at the table near the bathroom he can't have cake because he has diabetes yeah uh, there's no cake for you harold sorry but you get to come to dinner yeah maybe maybe we might like oh. i know we'll send an evite because he probably won't he, get it no he will because he's shown <laughs> that he understands this technology which again congratulations harold and also please don't bring the mac and cheese that's tiana's job yeah she does really make a mac and cheese yeah that's why i said it that's really i wasn't being racist yeah, her <laughs> mac and cheese is really phenomenal i was actually referencing something in real life okay, yeah her mac and cheese is really terrific yeah you gave me that did neil just say something racist i did i had a moment of like having to think about it i had to white process that it was i was like wait a minute hold on that's hold no, on. my diabetes joke was way more problematic than that i was really i really struggled there i went through a whole I range had, of emotions. I went it was, through a range of white emotions. Yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah. You were about to call my manager. It was a little. <laughs> I could feel like my side bangs come all the way down across my cheek. Um, as always. Yeah, as always. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate all of your support. If you dig what we're doing, you should please write us a review on iTunes or wherever you're getting your podcast. Uh, writing reviews help other people find us. So it'd be helpful if you did that. And also share the podcast with people that you think would also dig us. Um, we very much appreciate all of your support and that you stick with us and keep listening. And we will see you next time. Burger King foot lettuce.